0: If you ever go into the pulpit and your whole concern is what someone's going to think about it, you don't have to worry about compromising the gospel you already have.
1: Welcome to the Bud Zone Podcast. I'm Bud, your host. The Bud Zone Podcast is for, from, and by Saints, our buds in the faith to edify one another in the faith, and to encourage one another to love and good works. We discuss the world, we discuss the church, we discuss the faith, we discuss truth, and we do it with the mind of Christ. Thank you for joining us. Welcome to this episode of the Bud Zone Podcast. I appreciate you joining us. Uh, today I am graced and blessed to have a dear brother who is a pastor join me, Jared Baker, pastor of Nelson Creek Baptist Church in Central City, Kentucky. And Jared, I want to welcome you. Thank you so much for taking time to join me.
0: Thank, thank you for for allowing me to be on here with.
1: You. I am honored. Uh, you and I have known each other for, my goodness, I don't, I don't know, a few years on social media. Yeah, yeah, and then we met at this previous g3 conference for the first time and that was a blessing for people that have listened to the bud zone podcast there's there's really a particular focus that we want to have my goal is to encourage the saints that the ministry of the lord is still going on in the midst of all these times that we live in with the the pandemic and all the mandates and the threats of mandates and all of these things The world is looking much much darker we are clearly in the midst culturally and socially of the lord's judgment and i think in the church environment we're under the lord's chastisement but the lord is still building his church he is still faithful to his saints in all things he is glorifying his name and he's exalting the son you've been a great encouragement to me your ministry is faithful i see you doing ministry all over the place uh not only in your local church so the lord is using you and uh i want you to kind of introduce yourself and let's talk about what you see going on the ministry you're doing and and we'll just see where it goes
0: well, um, of course, I'm, I'm Jared Baker. I'm pastor of the Nelson Creek Missionary Baptist Church, which is in Central City, Kentucky. Uh, that sits in Muhlenberg County, Kentucky, which is the last county in what they consider Western Kentucky. Most people would know, like Paducah, Kentucky. That's the yeah. biggest place, you know. Um, I've been here January will be four years. Uh, this is the second Baptist church that I have pastored. I pastored a Baptist church in Mayfield, Kentucky for right at 10 years um, before coming here. I'm married to my beautiful wife, Ashley. I have two beautiful kids, Luke and Abby, who are still snoring probably at this present time So uh, <laughs> on a Saturday. Um, But um, yeah, and and I pastor, you know, as I said, Nelson Creek Missionary Baptist Church, a congregation about 75 to 100, it can fluctuate in in that area. And uh, it was a church that was founded in 1803. So it has stood the test of time all of these years. Uh, It is actually burnt twice. Uh, The last time it burnt is they built the church that's what's presently there now. And uh, we are a congregation of well, I'm young, I probably got seven to eight young families, and then that many older families. And I used to think that I consider myself being in the young crowd, but that's not so much anymore. Uh, as I told my wife once, we should start a young adults class. I should teach, and she said you wouldn't even be in a young adults class if they had <laughs> one. So you know, because I'm 41. But um,
1: 41.
0: Yeah, I, I, yeah 41 41 so. see
1: so and I, we we kind of joked about this before we started recording because i had seen on facebook your bio and it said you were born in 1980 i was yes. almost graduating high school then so i'm not sure how this works out technically you ought to be saying sir more to <laughs> me but i think yeah. because of your position i probably need to do it in the other direction
0: so. <laughs> <laughs> no no uh, but but yeah i i love to serve the new testament church is what I consider it in in the capacity of being a pastor. I I really enjoy that. I know pastoring in the last two years have probably been the hardest thing that I have done in my life. In fact, the matter, there's a a local pastor here um, that told me that he had pastored since the early 70s and had never dealt with anything like that you know, we've dealt with for the last two years, but I, I enjoy it. I couldn't think of anything else in this world, uh, that, that I would ever, you know, that I would even consider doing. Um, always, uh, I serve, uh, we have a local Baptist association and we hand out food every Tuesday and then they have like a, um, uh, a crisis closet up behind it where people donate stuff and they give it out for free. It's completely free, and I serve up there. And then at the food ministry, I always tell people when I'm sacking their groceries up that we're giving out. I was like, if this preaching don't work out, I can always go to Walmart or Food Giant or something uh, of that sort. To uh, uh, I've sacked enough of these, surely I could get uh, get get a job doing that. But but it's just a uh, an honor and a privilege, uh, Bud. Like I said to just a servant in, in the local church. I, I can't even put into words how how grateful I am every Sunday and every Wednesday to be able to step into a pulpit and preach to people. And even now with the Facebook or during the pandemic and we started, you know, streaming our services live on there, that we even have a core of people that watch that that are homebound you know uh some are not even church members that that have reached out to me so uh, and we we've gained some people from it that saw our you know that, that seen us uh streaming and and so now they come to church there and so it's just been a um uh, a wonderful time uh, it, it has been extremely stressful as to knowing what to do and i made some wrong decisions in it but um but god has been faithful he he is a uh, sovereign and i'm thankful for that Amen. so uh, as i believe i heard a i can't remember who the theologian said one time i'm glad he's god and i'm not so you know that's uh but i like i said i i'm really encouraged by what we what we see today, you know, in the church. So.
1: Well, now let me let me uh, tread cautiously here with this uh, comment because I don't want to bring a charge against a pastor, but in the event you have any of your deacons or your elders that might listen to this, I would kind of like to speak to them and ask them, is there any possible way that they could reduce your book budget? Because here's what <laughs> happens. I want them to know this. <laughs> You will send me just randomly a picture of, hey, look what came in the mail today, and it'll be John Owen, or it'll be, you know, John Murray, or it'll be a Puritan book. You're constantly sending me these things, and what you're doing, and I know the Lord uses means, you're tempting me to covet because you send me all these things, (laughs) and I'm like, oh, I got to get that. So yeah. no, I'm I mean, kidding. God bless your church for giving you a budget. Yeah. And and God bless you, thank you for doing the diligent study behind the scenes. So you are reading, you are studying. It's not just about getting up there and doing a secret sensitive sermon on Sundays. You exposit the word.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's and and that is something that's that's always very vital to me is to make sure that um, anyone that's going to fill the pulpit for me—that uh, that they're going to—they're going to preach expositionally through text and and, and uh, in the right context. So I should say, you know, because um, we, we see today uh, a lot of preaching on why why women should wear makeup and why men should wear you know liberty bib overalls and and we hear all these crazy things. But um, it is um, it it is my. What I call my due diligence to every time that I preach to get as much out of Scripture as I possibly can, um, and and I think that um, God instilled that in me from a man that I surrendered to preach out from underneath. His name is Brother Ferris Sahowni. He He's actually from the Holy Land, so uh, and he lived in America, um, and and he actually, bud, um, to throw this in there. He was uh, what you would call a foreign exchange student that went to a college in Mayfield, Kentucky called the, um, and I'm struggling now with the name of it. But anyhow, him and Paul Washer's wife, Charo, were uh, housemates together there. So he is personal friends with Brother Paul Washer. Actually, after I was converted, Paul Washer was the first person I ever heard preach a revival he preached it at the church where I was a member of. Wow. Because he because he said, and I'll never forget this. He said while we were there do you know why I don't like preaching in western kentucky and i thought well boy that's a very odd way to open a sermon you know and he said because everybody here thinks they're saved and going to heaven so oh, I was yeah. like, well you know they always say if you don't have your audience in the or, or the people in the first 5 minutes you ain't never going to have them well he had me from there <laughs> you know so uh, but yeah the college was mid continent university and maybe what it was yeah, I think I'm so,
1: sti- I'm still repenting from a sermon of Paul Washer's from like seven years ago. I think so. Yeah, he, he, oh, <laughs> yeah.
0: especially G three when we were G three this year when he preached him. You know, if they uh, I told the guy that I went with, Brother Austin Weast, I said if you if they had gave a, a, the old invitation as many people call it, I said I don't went up there and just you know fell down and right there on the stage. You know? Oh no, was that's like, right, man. I was I was really really convicted by that you know uh, just just his words and and he said get off facebook get on your knees and i thought oh man
1: you know so let me get back to the books just because we need to get it out of our system because i'll end up getting pictures sent to me what what are you reading right now
0: um actually what i'm reading right now and i showed you i'm reading the um uh the geneva commentary series psalms by william s Plummer. i don't know if you can see that or not but But I'm reading it, um, and then I've been reading a Paul Washer book, The Modern, Ten Indictments Against the Modern Church. Oh, excellent. Um, Something that I always keep on my desk is the 1689 Confession of Faith in Modern English, so uh, modern people like myself can read it. And I've been um, walking with God. Um, day by Day by Martin Lloyd Jones, which is a devotional, a three hundred sixty five day devotional. Now I normally read, you know, a lot farther into that. But yeah. if if people don't have this, that's going to watch this. Um, Crossway produces this, and this is worth every dime that you could ever um, ever get. And then a uh, Defining Deception by Costy Hen and uh, Anthony G Wood. That is just a few that that I have that on my desk that I've been reading. And then there's this thing called the uh, Bible (laughs) and and I've been reading it. So uh, uh, I always, when people ask me what I'm reading, I'm always, I always have to tell them the Bible because uh, I would say that many men are, are, very quick to read commentaries and other things and very slow to read the Bible. And I think that's a downfall and God really revealed that to me during the pandemic, bud, about, you know, you're you're very quick to read the Spurgeons and think, "Won't you read what the Pauls said and the Peters said?" Amen. You know, so uh, so I'm always real real quick about telling people that you know read the Bible.
1: Yeah, so, no, um, if 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 you read nothing else, you have to be right. you have to be in the Word. You know, that's right. the the that's power right. of God for salvation is the gospel. That's the power right. of God for sanctification is His Spirit through His Word, and that's right. you neglect that and you are neglecting truth, which is what we all need. So, all right, wonderful. We may put some links in the show notes for whatever you, okay. you know, you're uh, recommending because a couple of those there, here we go again. I don't have, so I'll yeah. have to.
0: That, that Martin Lloyd-Jones book, but I would recommend to anyone. I mean, I I don't care what denomination you are, I don't care what, you know, where you're watching this, if you can read English language, then, you know, get that, because it is, uh, it's just amazing. And it's just a one little page a day, but but there's other things in it where it'll give you other scriptures to read and stuff. Yeah. And you can take it and you can spend 15, 20 minutes just right there in that one page, you know, and it'd be very good for someone that maybe um, d- don't have as much time to put into their study, which I would say to you, if you post anything on Facebook, then you have more time to study, but that's probably uh, for a different podcast, oh, but yes. uh, uh, you know, but, the um but that is a very good very good well
1: I, i'm glad to know that and i'll get that for my own use because i know you're a you're a jc ryle guy and what oh, yeah. i've what i've used this year even though most people are uh, familiar with spurgeon for morning and evening there's one by ryle as well and that's the one i've read through this year last year i was going through spurgeon's morning and evening and this year it's been uh, ryle so I, i'm of course, we're getting close to the end of the year. I'll probably pick up that Lloyd Jones and, and yeah. use that. Now, you know, like you said, that's that's a, a few minute devotional kind of thing. Um, yeah, yeah. And it, you very good. You need to be much deeper in Scripture than that, but that's such a good thing to sort of give you it, content for meditation. On,
0: yeah, yeah. It'll it'll point you on the road as to. It'll get you going, you know, because sometimes people will be, and I think you even said this to me one time doing, you know, I I try to do the Grand Horner Bible reading program. And and you said to me that time that uh, many people start Genesis. And by the time they get to the 10th chapter of Exodus, I'm done with this. You know, so like I'm done with this, you know, or they get into numbers and like what in the world is going on here. So um, that just kind of, you know, points people to, To something that'll that'll get them started, get them going, you know, in the right direction.
1: Wonderful, Uh, yeah. I I advocate the Grant Horner, but you know, it really doesn't matter if you're engaged with Scripture. You need to have, you know, Paul tells Timothy, discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness. Well, we need to do that as well. So we need to have a discipline. What's the most important thing in our life? Well, it's our our union with Christ and our desire to grow in knowledge and, and likeness of Him. So that's not going to happen outside that book and uh, you need to be engaged with it in some way and i do recommend and of disciple guys using the horner system which is pretty aggressive Uh, a brother and i did a podcast uh rob miller shout out to him he and i did a podcast uh talking about the horner plan and uh, uh so it's it's very good but the but the point is, be in the Word yeah. consistently, regularly, prayerfully.
0: One, one more quick thing: that 1689 Baptist Confession of Faith in modern English—that is loaded with Bible scriptures on, you know, on each topic. I, do you have that? Bob? Oh do yes. You have a copy of oh okay. yes. That—that okay. that is something for people that will watch this that say, "Well, where can I read about you know the effectual calling or or something like that? You know, the fall of mankind and the sin and its punishment." They can go to, and it is full of Bible scriptures that are, um, and I think this is, I, I go to a pastor's fellowship and they have a banner of truth dealership and a founder's dealership. Uh, and I go to it every other month and I, I think I picked this up for like three or four bucks. Yeah. Like and it, it's worth 20.
1: So, so, so let me ask you about this because I'm in a reform, I'm, I'm not in, um, uh, the SBC anymore Now, and your church is your church SBC.
0: Yeah. Yes, we, we are still at this point okay. in the SBC. Um, now, how, how much longer we're, we're going to be uh, is, is um, probably something we'll decide next year. Okay. But, um, well, we I'll,
1: come, I'll come back and ask you about that specifically. But I, I had been in the SBC, and now I'm in a reformed uh, little small church plant. And, and we run, I don't know, 60, 70 people but one of the things that i recall from my days in, in the sbc is that there was this uh, uh rejection of confessions and creeds it was a sort of no creed but the bible kind of thing which in fact is a creed itself if people yeah, listening don't yeah, know exactly. that that is a creed but nevertheless y- you didn't see an embrace of london Baptist or westminster or heidelberg or any of these classic um confessions speak to that what why do you think that is? Do you, and do you see more people moving in the direction now of employing a confession? Maybe not adopting it formally as a statement of faith for their church, but using it as what it really is—is a kind of a systematic theology of here's what we confess.
0: Yeah, yeah i i would lo- I would love to believe that that churches are going back you know because i mean let's be honest the baptist faith and message 2000 was um is not i, I don't i don't know how to put it into words it's <laughs> not what it should be um i mean there are good things in it I, i'm not going to say that there's not but it you know it doesn't speak to things that i think that it should so i, I my thing is our church don't say you know uh, well we adhere to the 1689 baptist confession of faith you know But what I do is, um, I think it's very vital for people that come and want to be a member of a church, that churches give to them what churches believe and adhere to and, mm-hmm. and i just think that many times people will say well i'll be a member of the church and they just let people walk up the aisle hey here you go and there you are you know well the easiest thing in the world to get on is your name on the role of a baptist church and the hardest thing to do in the world is get your name off that roll. so so i think that as a church and as a pastor Uh, Something that 2022 that I plan to focus on that we were going to focus on right before uh, the pandemic hit is focusing on people understanding what we believe and what we adhere to in outside of saying we believe the Bible you know, um, that, cause that's what many people will say. Well, well, we believe the Bible, but I think that it's so much, it, it's very vital to say, well, we believe this confession. We believe this, you know, church covenant. We have a church covenant. We have a, we have our bylaws here. They are, mm-hmm. you know, and, and I think that churches, uh, have bylaws that they probably put together in the 60s and, and they've never updated them, and that's kind of the place that we're in. And I've talked to some guys in our church about us, you know, updating those things in order to try to get it into modern, you know, modern English like the 1689 yeah. Baptist. Bet you, just so that it's easier for people that express, hey, I'd like to be a member of the church and say, okay, well, here's what we adhere to, and if you uh, if you want to be a member of Nelson Creek Missionary Baptist Church, then here's what you're saying in the end, you agree to all of these things, you know, and, and there may be some say, no, I'm, I do not agree to that. And that's fine. They can go find them another church, you know, somewhere yeah. else. Yeah. So, um, I, I just think that, um, the confessions of faith and things like that, um, in, in our bylaws, it does say the 2000 Baptist faith and message. Um, but like I said, there, there needs to be that really needs to be, uh, have some things, uh, changed in it. So, um, because yeah. there's, there's nothing in it about church discipline. There's nothing in it, you know, that I just think that, that should be, uh, you know, uh, on, on life and, and it does talk about life, but it doesn't talk about, you know, abortion. And that's something I'm a very big advocate about that, um, that there's no time ever that, that, that should be, um, be be given an option to anyone yeah. in my opinion so but, yeah I mean but, for yeah, what it I, is
1: the Baptist faith and message is is reasonably solid but as you can see right now and maybe for the last especially the last few years the Baptist faith and message is so open in some areas that that you yeah. can drive a truck through it if you want to yeah. alter the doctrine and yet say oh well we still adhere to you know and and i'm thinking mainly you know the issue of women pastors well it doesn't sure. say you know the the lead pastor or the teaching so you see some nuance you see some efforts at trying to postmodernize the language well it doesn't mean that when it says that so
0: yeah you're right it could be tightened up quite a bit well it's an inch deep and a mile wide is is basically what that what that is that baptist faith and you know um message and and like you said there's some solid things in it i really do but there needs to be some areas where it's honed down in to you know to, to bring it in I mean because they can say well you know women uh, it, it it's not talking about lead pastors or it's talking about lead pastors not talking about under pastors or however they would call it but then my my thing to that when anyone tells me that is I'm like well what do you do with first Timothy 212 you know what do you do with passages of, of that sort where that people you know or you can just read revelations 220 if you want to about you know Jezebel you can you can read those things and and i'm just you know what do you do with those and of course there have been some people that have been furious about it but in the end i always tell people as i'm preaching i didn't write this thing i just told you what was in it you know (laughs) so so uh this is not my i didn't write it i just told you what was here
1: yeah amen well, more broadly, what and and you mentioned it, and and uh, you know, don't disclose anything that you guys as a church are still working through. But give me your observations about where the SBC is now. I take it you are not satisfied with the current status quo of the leadership oh. of the SBC. And I, I would just want to, before you respond, I want to be careful to say that. Like right now, you're an SBC church officially. So you're an example of a sound Southern Baptist church, and there are other sound Southern Baptist churches out there. So any kind of uh, uh, comments about the SBC that are in the negative don't apply to every single church in the organization. That's right. Um, So don't. You know, if you're listening, don't think that this is bashing the SBC for the sake of stereotyping well, everyone. But what are your observations right. about the SBC
0: now? Well, you know, if you ask me what I thought about it right now, if if you could see a dumpster and it was on fire, that's basically what I would say that it's at now. And in my reason being is, you know, the the Washington Post did a report that the North American Mission Board had um, financially invested into getting voters for Ed Litton to Nashville. And so, like when you read things of that sort, then you understand at that point, it's kind of like modern day politics <laughs> that, that these people spend 50 or $60 million to get elected into a position. that pays $150,000. And I never figured out why as Americans, we're not saying, Hey, wait a minute, time out. Something's not right here. Well, you know, and that vote was really close. I think it was 52% to 48%, mm-hmm. you know, like for Ed Litton to, uh, to, to, get in there. Well, what really concerned me uh, I, now the plagiarism thing has come out and he's you know he's tried to combat that and say you know that that I didn't uh, you know it was a commentary by J.D. Greer it wasn't his sermon but in the end he said exactly what J.D. Greer said. Yeah. So, well and just to uh, qualify
1: so, how many J.D. Greer sermons have you preached in your pulpit?
0: No. Never, oh okay alright I just said uh, <laughs> yeah, no. No, I never, there's no, if I'm going to, if I'm going to preach someone's sermon that has two initials in front of it, it'll start with JC and it'll be Ryle behind it. But anyhow, the, uh, and I'm just kidding about that. But, but, um, you know, so, so like he steals that and, you know, you talk about plagiarism, but, you know, in colleges, those people can be dismissed. Those people can be, have their work. Thrown out, they can, you know, they can really, yeah. and in their professional career after college, it, it, it can be extremely hard on them later in life. Uh, fact of the matter, when I was uh, uh what you would call a youth pastor at Hard Money Baptist Church, which is in McCracken County, Kentucky, we had a girl one time get up and read a poem and. It was beautiful, and I thought, that's great. Well, there was a lady in there, and she figured out real quick, hey, wait a minute. This girl didn't write this. She had copied it off there, and I mean, she was eight or nine years old, and we had to talk to her and and tell her, hey, you can't do this, and she didn't truly know. I I mean, she knew it was wrong, but she didn't. It it wasn't like a man that's pastored for 25 years or or however long that is just, um, I call those microwaving it in. They went to the microwave and turned on 30 seconds and got it just lukewarm <laughs> and copied it off there and went in and phoned it into to their people, you know, um, but, but, you know, the, the plagiarism was a bad thing, but here's what really got me more than anything was, and, and I wrote this down because me and you had kind of talked about what we were going to talk about, but Ed Litton said, I think our pulpits should be places that reflect our view of pastor's. At Redemption Church, we do not have women preachers. And while on the very same stage, his wife, Kathy, said in this series that we have been doing for five weeks, this is our last sermon. Now, that to me is the, the, the scariest thing in the entire world. Um, I mean it is uh that, that is beyond words to me because it goes against first Timothy 2 as I said a while ago revelations 2 as it, you know talks about Jezebel and and those things and and it just I mean it's just absolutely terrifying that now this man is the head of the SBC and he's got his wife on stage and she's probably pouring into uh pouring into his sermon. And, yeah. and things of that sort, yeah. and and but that is that is terrifying. As, as my beautiful wife has has never came in my office and said, "Here here's something I think you ought to put in your sermon." She's been used in some illustrations of sermons, but <laughs> but never, and it, and it wasn't by her choice. I can promise you, but never uh, has she ever come in and and said, "Hey, I think you need to add this to your sermon." That is terrifying. It, it it terrifies me as much as anything. And to be honest with you, and I'm going to make this statement, and I'll probably get crucified for it. But if if something doesn't change in the SBC, then they're at some point, it's going to have to split, in my opinion, in order to get it back where it needs to be. Um, because actually, at the pastors' conference that they were going to have this year, and they threw a fit about it. They were going to have a woman speak at that, if I'm not mistaken and and there was such an uproar about it that then they changed it and got a man to uh to speak at it. Yeah. So
1: Well, I uh, do remember that 2 years ago when the when the 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 canceled COVID convention that was going to be in Orlando, the the lead up uh pastors conference, that was just wicked, the entire slate yeah. of of that and it caught a lot of flack and, and and they were backing down. I think they had they had finally backed down because it was all this secret, sensitive kind of you know pop christianity that has no meat to it that is all you know felt needs all show all all entertainment so some of these th- these things that you mentioned with regards to lytton i mean they were known it was known at the time that this most recent convention came around that he had had his wife preaching with him on stage uh, you know the the sermon gate scandal uh, about his plagiarism Uh, you know it came out pretty quickly it to me jared what it what it speaks to all all these things cumulatively two things really we profess the authority of scripture but we reject applying it and we effectively deny the sufficiency of scripture we don't think that the gospel that is in scripture truly transforms anybody so we got to do all these other things and we don't really believe, "Thus saith the Lord," and obey it. So I, I think it's authority, of Scripture sufficiency of Scripture. I, I mean, is that right? Is that?
0: Yeah, yeah, I, I would agree with that because you know, uh, as I said. I think it's come out after this, and, and um, I'm probably not as up-to-date on it as I should be. I'd like to clarify that because I don't go around reading about Ed Litton when I can read about, you know, uh, Read the Bible or William Plummer or, you know, who, whomever else, Warren Wearsby, you just name them. Uh, I'd rather read what some of those men had to say than ever Ed Litton. But the scary part is is that these voters knew this. And then like Danny Aiken, he used his platform to urge voters to get get behind him, and the North American Mission Board had financially invested, you know, to to go in. So there's a reason why these men and organizations were behind this, you know, because they knew if Al Molar or whomever else was running got in there, there was going to be a call to light uh, onto things. Or I would hope that there is um, be a call to say what it really is. I, I mean, I would hope that if I Took some man's sermon word for word, and quickly I want to say this: the reason why I've never done that is because I was always afraid I'd be like, "Welcome to the Metropolitan Tabernacle." <laughs> Wait a minute, you know, like hold up, you know, hold up, timeout, you know. I, I didn't mean I mean Nelson Greek Missionary Baptist, Church, you know. But but when you do those things, you've put no time, no effort. You've you've done no studying, you've done no reading. You're just going to a computer and clicking, boom! Here it is. You know, um, I'm just going. I'm just going to print this off, and this is what I'm going to preach. Yeah. You know, um, now, now I have taught books throughout the years. Like I taught a book by John MacArthur once called "Why We Believe the Bible," and I taught it to our church. But here's what I did: I got everybody in our church a copy of it, and we went through it. You know, pulling highlights out and talking about things in that, but never. Never would I just photocopy everything out of that and be like, yeah. "Here, let me let me give you something um, that that I've done." I mean, it's it's in in the end, what I believe, and this is my opinion, um, but I believe that all that you're doing is stealing what someone else put the time and effort into, and that that you didn't do. And now you're going to get up there and you're going to get credit, so to say, for that. Like this is a good. Um, oh, that was a good sermon, Brother Jared or Brother Paul or whomever it was. But in the end, it wasn't their, it wasn't their, their sermon. It was someone else's that you just photocopied. There
1: yeah, you go. yeah. So, well, you know, the, the the other observation would be that in the case of the Litton and the J.D. Greer thing, you know, J.D. Greer was not called to be the shepherd of Ed Litton's church. Litton yeah. was called to be the shepherd yeah. of Lytton's church. And so you, you've immediately diminished what is the most important task in the church which is the pulpit so right. uh, you've just said, oh this is you know this is not a big deal these are motivational speeches it doesn't really matter where it comes from you don't you don't need me engaged in the word to bring the word of the Lord to you every week because you're my flock that I'm I'm uh, tasked to care for and to edify and to feed and protect no it's it's completely diminished the office of pastor. Just on average, yeah. how much time do you spend a week preparing for the Sunday morning service for your sermon on Sundays?
0: Hmm.
1: And it probably varies, I, was, I guess.
0: But Yeah, you, you know, sometimes, and, and that's something, there's been times on Monday, I, I'm a different person than most preachers. I come in on Monday and start reading and start, you know, uh, meditating on scripture to figure out you know, Sunday, because inevitably, every seventh day is Sunday, okay, so, um, but, but you know, we have a midweek service on Wednesday night, so, um, and and so, I have to start on it, too, trying to get it, but I would say that probably sometimes on, on Sunday, I would say that there's been sometimes I've probably spent 30 to 40 hours, you know, reading, gleaning, just working and reading back over, because I'm a person, I type mine up. And then I save them onto my iPad, and I use my iPad for notes. Um, yeah. I have a Bible before anybody hears this. <laughs> oh, so don't take a Bible? To the, I take a Bible to the pulpit, you know. So, um, but but I would say thirty to forty hours for that Sunday service. In in fact, the matter all the way up, even though I start on Monday, start reading and writing and jotting and typing. Even Sunday morning, I get up at 6 or 6.30 every morning. We have our uh, young at what we call Sunday school at 10. And so I even get up early like that on Sunday morning just to read back over it. Yeah, and, and and just try to get you know. Is there something else I can glean from it? But yeah, and and that's normally I preach about forty five minutes on Sunday morning. Is, okay, is about how long, but it but it takes that long. Now, now you can tell, or I can tell. From being a pastor, and you probably can too, and other people who watch this can tell you can tell how much time that men have put into the preparation of their sermons. Because how I can tell is they'll do about five or six minutes really good, and then it starts the and um and the and um and the, you know, and so uh, you, you start getting into re- repetitive things. But, but yes, I, I don't think most people understand. How long that it takes to put one together. Fact of the matter, in Pastor Appreciation Sunday a few weeks ago, a lady told me, she said, I thank you for all the time you spend studying. She said, it's so evident whenever you get up to preach, you know, that you bring things out of scripture that I've, I've never, never learned before. Amen. And so to me, that is the greatest compliment. That a that a pastor could ever get, you know, is that hey, I learned something from what you did. Now, Jason or uh, Matthew Henry said that we don't always have to learn something new. Sometimes we need to be reminded about things that we've forgotten. But but it's always uh, that is always the greatest thing when someone says, you know, wow, I, I you know, thank you for studying because that that should be well, Scripture and prayer acts tells us. That that's why they created the first deacons, you know, was so that men could stay here scripturally and studying yeah. and praying, and, and that's what. Um, but most men uh, fall under the guise of that they get pushed into the corner. I call it where, well, I got to go to the hospital, and I got to go see about grandma and her ingrown toenail, and I got to go and I got to go and I got to go. Um, and that's a part of a pastor's ministry. But the studying and preparing to preach is the main thing that my focus is. Amen. Uh, every week. So.
1: Absolutely. So you don't want me to send you that link to Rick Warren's com thing where you can... <laughs> <laughs> it
0: save you 30, 40 well, hours a week, Jared. Come on. Well, we are going to have a bonfire here soon. I'll need something to start it with if you want to. If, if you want to. No, no, no. I don't, oh, I'm I'll be kidding. I'm kidding. Before. I've
1: heard okay. you preach, yes. You're kind of, you know, the Spurgeon of Kentucky, maybe. I don't know.
0: You have a presence that, in the
1: pulpit, and praise God no, for that.
0: I, I just always feel like that, um, you know, you'll hear people say, So go our government. So go the nation. And I believe that's the biggest lie that's told in our nation, because I always say, so go the pulpit, so go the church, so go the nation, because the nation is a direct link of what's went on in our pulpits for the last 30 or 40 or 50 years that has been nothing. In, in my opinion. In most modern churches, it's a 15-minute, uh, and I've watched some of them during, during the whole COVID thing. They'll be 48, 50 minutes long, and I'll just scroll through the music because just between me and you, and I know everybody else is going to hear this, I'm not a huge music fan, but anyhow, um, they, they'll scroll through. I'll just scroll through 30 or 40 minutes, and then there'll be a man get up there for 15 minutes and talk about how Jesus loved them, got a wonderful plan for their life, and, and that's mm-hmm. it. And, and I'm just... But as the King James Bible would say, I'm behooved, you know, bud, like I'm behooved. Like what is what is taking place here? Yeah. And, 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 and the nation will never change until men that stand in pulpits truly understand that the nation, in my opinion, and I know God's sovereign, but the nation is only going to change when men in pulpits call what sin is for what it is. But, yeah, that's a uh, scary thing to some of the men that, that stand in our pulpit.
1: But you're saying something that I don't think most pastors would say in their pulpits, that most people sitting in pews would put together. I don't think they'd connect the dots. Because you would agree, We we when you pick up the newspaper, when you turn on your... TV or you read, you look at what's going on in the country. This is vividly clear that God is judging America right now, oh, but sure. you are connecting that judgment. You're putting the responsibility for that at the pulpit. That's right. That's right.
0: That's right. I, I, that That is my belief. Just because men were called to preach the word as everybody knows that scripture and instead of doing that, they have been henpecked by the people in the churches that if I preach on abortion, um if I preach on homosexuality, if I just preach on sin in general, you know, uh, then then it's going to affect these people. It's going to affect those people. It's going to affect these people. And I tell young men all the time, bud, that if you ever go into the pulpit and your whole concern is what someone's going to think about it, you don't have to worry about compromising the gospel you already have. Oh. Uh, you, 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 you've you already compromised it. You don't have to worry about, it. am I going to compromise it? You know, you, you already have have and I just don't uh fact of the matter I preached a sermon one time and I know there will be people from Nelson Creek that will watch this but I titled it abortion America's silent holocaust mm-hmm. and um, uh, the most views that I've ever had on YouTube on any sermon that I've ever preached we've got a YouTube channel and I had a guy ask me uh, a couple of weeks after that he said I cannot believe that anybody would sit and listen to that and I said well If these people at Nelson Creek don't want to listen to it, there's some people somewhere that does. Yeah. And, and I'll go there. And of course, it was very open. My people agreed to it. You know, there was no, I never got one pushback from one person, which it wouldn't matter if they push back or not. I don't care. But, but the reality is, is that, you know, they, they agreed, like, wait a minute, you know, this is a, uh, uh th- this is true. And, and what I did was I just related it to, you know, the Nazi Holocaust and, and all the statistics that went on in that. And then, and just brought it back to to our what I call Nazi Holocaust, American Holocaust that takes place inside of um, abortion meals all over all over America. Yeah. Was I believe at a tune of thirty two hundred babies a day or a something, day. or put yeah. to death. And, and then and then the SBC wants to set out one day a year for men to speak out on that, you yeah. know, called the Sanctity of Human Life Sunday. And to be honest with you, I never preach those sermons on those days because there are people that know, well, hey, that's the day if they won't come to church on that Sunday because they don't want to hear about abortion. So I just, I never preach on it that day. I just, I you know, I go by the leading of the spirit and then, just uh, uh, stop abruptly uh, in the midst of preaching through a book and, and, and throw it in there.
1: That's that's tremendous. Yeah, not big on church calendars and this no. Sunday is for this and this Sunday is for that. No, you know what? No. The, the preaching of the word, the word's going to dictate what the topic is Sunday. Uh, if you're yeah. preaching expositionally, which you, you do, I mean, there are places for one off topical sermons. You got to do sure. this. Sure. But largely, it's the text of scripture is going to tell us where we're going in the sermon. Uh, and, right. and you're preaching through a book or you're preaching through. What are you preaching through right now? What, what are you in? Um,
0: I'm actually preaching through the Gospel of John. On Sunday mornings, um, and, and you talk about calendars. If they tried to put one together at Nelson Creek about the preaching, how that was going to be, they'd be in trouble. Because <laughs> I think I preached seven sermons, six or seven, in John 14. So um, just in that passage alone. Now I'm going to go to John 15. We might be there for a month and a half, you know. So um, because I always feel like that I'm not in a hurry. I'm there to preach to get as much out of that for the people that I can, so I'm not in a hurry. Um, but I'm preaching through John on Sunday mornings, and then I've been preaching through First Corinthians on Wednesday night, oh. uh, and that's been very, very eye-opening because you know I, I've never understood, Bud, why and and. And please, men, if you listen to this, you or you are you attend the Corinth Baptist Church? I've never understood why in the world anybody would want their church named the Corinth Baptist <laughs> Church. You know, so as <laughs> it's, it's many problems as they had, and, and there's some great ones throughout the world. I'm not saying you know anything about that, but uh, First Corinthians has been very, you know, very eye opening uh, to if, if anybody has been eye opening to. Me so I preach through that on Wednesday nights, and then on Sunday nights I just kind of uh, I've been doing different things. Uh, Sunday nights is maybe not as uniform as uh, Sunday mornings and Wednesday nights. I just preach on different. I preached I preached uh, a sermon series through Hebrews eleven, you know, and then I preached some other things like um, on the Sermon on the Mount. I preached a series on that. I've just kind of I kind of leave those out to do series. Yeah. Uh, things of that well, sort
1: of Corinthians, yeah, that apparently scholars tell us we're missing two letters. We've got first, second Corinthians, you know, in Scripture in the New Testament now, but there were two other letters that Paul wrote that we don't have that he kind of references in those two letters that we do yeah. have. It's like, my goodness, this was one messed up church, and it surprises me. I'm like, you read the seven churches of revelation? How come Corinth isn't in that?
0: Yeah, I mean, yeah, exactly. It's, you're like, you're naming all these churches, God, and I'm like, you know, how did the church at Corinth? I mean, you could have took those churches out in revelations and just put the church of Corinth in there, in there. And, and, and highlighted the things that they had going on. And and I love what Paul says in that letter when he's talking about you know I'm of a Paul I'm of Cephas I'm of you know yeah. and he says I thank God I didn't baptize any of you people <laughs> you know I, I can hear him right now you know like <laughs> I thank God I didn't baptize any of y'all you know
1: that's uh, that's funny well tell me what do you think is um what what do you think we're going to see in the culture
0: well uh, it you know as Matthew 13 talks about. You know, the wheat and the tares, you know, separating out. I really feel like that if COVID and all this has taken place, that it's really revealed that some people wasn't a part of the vine in John 15, you know, um, as as they thought they were. And some people were more a part of it than what they ever dreamed that they really were, you know. um, I think that it's kind of widowed out some people um, that that is left and may never come back. You know, they they may never have a uh, as they thought possibly they were saved. Uh, You know, now it's starting to reveal they went out from us because they never were really of us. So as First John would tell us, but I think it's revealed that. But I think that in other places that if you really think about the whole COVID thing probably our world has never seen uh, a pandemic like that, maybe since 1918 or something like that. And now you see people, what I've really tried to focus on there is we've seen the mighty hand of God move in those. I mean, we actually baptized a lady a few months ago. You know, we've we've seen people come to the church that that were looking for a church that were was open, you know, and not just on Facebook only. We've, we've had that. Um, and so I, I really feel encouraged uh, in that aspect. But there were some people, as I said, that were probably never really a part of it, but they just came because that's what you were supposed to do. And then when it's not there to do it anymore, it's gave a lot of people an excuse, you know, not to come. Well, we can't come because there's COVID there, but I guess that when you walk in Walmart or Cracker Barrel or, or any of those places, they, they don't have any COVID. So, yeah. you know, yeah. you can go to, go to that but you can't come to church and I just think it really reveals a lot of people's hearts how that it truly is
1: yeah know. I talked with uh, on on one episode I had uh opportunity to talk to Matt Trujella who had written the book um Doctrine of Lesser Magistrates but in our conversation one of the things he said was you know just look at what government did government said oh to the church you're not essential and most churches proved the government right I would agree with you. I think the Lord has used this to kind of distinguish the true from the superficial. What is your impression? Do you think that the church that the genuine Christians are facing probably increased hostility?
0: Yeah, as our world goes, tarries on. Hopefully, the Lord will come for me and you'll get done today. But, yeah. But um, as, as the as our as our church as the world tarries on, the church is going to be less and less in the world's eyes of of any importance that there is, and there will be more hostility toward it, you know. Uh, one thing that I would say, Bud, is we closed our church down when this all came out, and I apologize to God for that. After we went back, I, I apologized and told him and repented and told him I would never do that again, and we haven't done that because... Um, that was not the thing that we should have done. And even myself, I fell into that. And there were other brothers who would tell me, you know, well, yeah, but we didn't really know what. But I was like, yeah, but we did know the word of God. so So we shouldn't have done that. But I think that, like you said, They told us that, hey, you need to shut down for the sake of people, but then every liquor store that was down the road from me was open. Well, we can't close those things down. We can't close the abortion mills down in, in Louisville, Kentucky. We can't, you know, because those things are essential to people's health, and so is the church to people's spiritual health. And so I think that, as we go, that increased hostility will be toward us, just especially in the in the manner of uh, what the church stands for, what the true church stands for, you know, when they speak out against the abortions and the homosexualities and all those things, that as our world increasingly moves toward, well, we just got to love everybody, you know, and, and most of those churches, I can tell real quick if they've got grace or or love or, or something like that in it, I can tell you pretty quickly how, how what the pulpit's going to be like, you know, because that's what their whole theme is going to be, and, and I'm very thankful that God is graceful, uh, he's gracious to me, because if he was not already be consumed in my sins, but he's also holy, holy, holy. The Bible never says that He's love, 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 but it does say that He is holy, holy, holy. Amen. So you know, uh, but but I do see it uh, coming. Is as, as you take a stand, um, that that it will grow. The world will grow increasingly host, hostile toward the church. Yeah.
1: So. Well, brother, I, I think you're absolutely right. The reason that we see largely what is going on in the culture with the hand of God in judgment and in wrath, you can draw a straight line right back to the pulpits that have forsaken the actual authority and the actual sufficiency of the Word of God and proclaiming the law of God and the grace of God and the gospel to sinners who need it and is their only hope. He is the way, the truth, and the life. So in, in a very real sense, you stand in the most important place in the world It's not in DC. It's not in the halls of Congress. You stand in the pulpit and that is what the culture needs. It's obviously what the church needs, but it needs men that are going to stand up and do what you're doing. And and that is preach the word even, you know, in season, out of season, whether they like it or whether they don't, because it's through the word that the Lord is going to work. But I, I want to ask you, what gives you hope? What, what is it that that drives you and and keeps you in the ministry and faithful and and hopeful and what would you tell people?
0: Well, I I would say to you that I know how this book ends, number one, (laughs) you know, I've I've read it, you know, and, and I know how it ends. And something too, just to know that God is only going nothing's going to come to me that's not first going to go through his sovereign hands. And there's a reason why, and, and I try to tell our church all the time, Bud, that, that we don't go through things for no reason. We go through things so that one day down the road, the next person that you know that goes through this, you can say, hey, you know what, I went through this. And this is what I discovered, you know, that, that God is sufficient. You know, God gave me everything that I needed. God gave me, uh, he supplied my every need, my every move, just when I didn't think I could go on anymore. He, he gave me whatever it was I needed. And I, and I tell people that I know how the book ends, but, but something else that, that brings me comfort is just going back and reading the book and reading stories uh, in the book and seeing God's faithfulness, you know, just just uh just to stand there and, and what you know be still and know that I'm God, you know, J- just just stop, don't panic, don't, don't, you know, freak out as our as our world would say. Just be faithful. As a woman come to me once and said, Brother, every time I watch the news, I just get so upset. And you know what my simple terms to her were turn your TV off. <laughs> I, I've never left my Bible I've never left my Bible and I was upset if I was, you know what I did? I bowed my head and confessed my sin because it revealed to me my sin. And then I was totally that much better, you know, but just turn it off. As I had someone ask me a few weeks ago, do you know how many cases we have in Muhlenberg County of COVID? And I said, I have no clue. I was like, hey, it could be 10,000 at this point. She's like, so you don't watch every day. To... I was like, no, I, I, I could care less really. You yeah. know, I, I and and once I stopped watching all that filth, and we shut the TV off and the news off. For crying out loud, folks, don't don't watch that stuff, you know. Because I I can tell who watches CNN all the time, and I can tell who watches Fox all the time. Just shut that stuff off, <laughs> and just put your hope and and read your Bibles and spend your time in in the Word of God. Amen. You know, that that that's my hope. Is is I know how it ends. And I think that that's been something I've tried to tell my people just shut that stuff off. When you don't watch that all the time, you'll realize soon, well, I, you know, I live a totally different life because I don't, you know, I don't have to, I don't have to see all that. So, you know, I I can't remember who it was. Uh, One theologian said when he was in his 80s that he felt sorrowful. Because he couldn't spend 16 or 17 hours a day in the Word of God, oh, and wow. I felt, you know, I felt, um, I, I felt terrible after reading what what he had. It, and the thing is, is like as our world goes, I've really learned that when we get off the facebooks and the twitters, and I'm on those things and I post stuff on there, but when I spend my time off of that. I just spend my day, when I look up at the end of the day, none of those things have, have caused me any trouble because I haven't gave them time in my life to do yeah, so. Yeah. Um, that, that's, um,
1: I'll tell you the little story that uh, I've, I've shared with other folks before. And I really want to, I can't amen your comment about turning the TV off. I absolutely yeah. agree with that. And I used to have an argument where I would uh, tell people, here's the reason. Well, if you go back and study the invention of the television what you will find is that the technology that television was invented on was largely based on the use of a vacuum tube here's the here's the thing to ponder do you know what happens if you put your head in a vacuum your brains get sucked out (laughs) yeah that's exactly and it's still happening today even though everything's flat screen and digital uh, turn that stuff off and get in the Word. If you need to discipline yeah. yourself for godliness, which we're all commanded to do, yeah. start with the Word and prioritize what's really important in your life and yeah. what's really important for eternity. So
0: it's just a it's just a thing. And, and Spurgeon said, "You know, a Bible that's falling apart is owned by someone whose life isn't." You yeah. know, and so we carry our cell phones everywhere. And this was something really convicting to me a few years back. You know, I I make sure if I leave my house, I I go back and get my cell phone if I don't have it. But then I got to thinking, well, what's more important? Is it my cell phone or my Bible? So now I have a a pocket New Testament that I carry with me everywhere I go. And Mm -hmm. if I go to a a hospital, and I'm sitting there waiting on a client or, or waiting on a church member. I mean, that's having a surgery or something. I just read that, you know, instead of sitting here on our cell phones, just scroll, scroll, scroll. Because in 20 years from now, people are going to have thumbs are going to be straight where they wore those things out, you know. So instead of tennis elbow, you know, they're going to, or, you know, carpal tunnel yeah. in the wrist, yeah. it's going to be those thumbs are going to be wore out. So, yeah. um, but, but I, I really believe that, bud, that if we just shut that stuff off, and then just just read the Bible and you know, and just stick in it and, and and read it and study it, study it. That that's my thing. I know there are people that read the check mark, you know, well, I gotta get my check marks yeah. here. But if you don't if you don't understand what you're reading, it didn't it's not it's not as good as, as reading three verses and figuring out what those three verses mean in context and then, you know, and, and it's something too, um I challenge people sometimes to write write those verses down on a card, whatever they read that morning, or a verse that stuck out to you. Write it down on an index card. Stick it in your pocket. Carry it with you all day long. Just pull it out and open it up and and read it you yeah. know whenever things are, are going crazy and you think just pick up and read what you read you know that morning
1: i know you can't see in it and this time. is we're doing this as an audio podcast but you can't see it i've got these stuck around all over the place i i, I do exactly what you're talking about i'll you know you're in my daily reading i'll i'll uh there'll be a verse that particularly strikes me some days it doesn't happen but i will take and put it down on a note card and pause through the day and and read it and think about it and and pray on it and meditate on it. Wonderful advice. I have
0: have sayings that are all around my computer here. You know, like I've got one from George Orwell that said the further society drifts from the truth, the more it will hate those who speak it, you know? (laughs) And then I have a Spurgeon, the neglect of private prayers is the locust which devours the strength of the church. You know, I just have some others, brother, Michael Durham, who's a personal friend of mine, with real truth matters. And he speaks a lot with uh, Paul washer and them over heart cry. He goes and preaches for him. He, he had, he said one time when I was at a place, he was preaching said, uh, and he's talking about pastors. We must care for our own souls every day before we can care for the souls of those underneath us. Um, and so there's things like that, that I just have wrote everywhere, you know, yeah. uh, just reminders every day as, as you look at it, you know, uh, things that stick out
1: i've got that on mine jared but what i wrote to myself as a reminder was it says bud you're an idiot try not to show it (laughs) (laughs) well brother thank you for your time i I really appreciate this anything else you want to close with you're a preacher Uh, you got words
0: yeah well if i was just telling anybody that will watch this an, an average church person or even Maybe there's a young pastor that will watch this. Is that our main concern is to grow in holiness and godliness, and we can't do that because we know everything that's going on on the bachelor, <laughs> but we don't know what's going on in you know Luke 16 or, or however. And I just think that the more time that you spend studying and reading, uh, no nobody will ever you know come back and and say well, boy, that was a waste of time, brother Jared, or that was a waste of time, bud. I should have never, they'll, they'll never do that. You know, God yeah. will reveal something to you out of it. And and I would just say that that's what, what our, our needs need, that that's our main focus needs to be. I know this year's almost over with is we don't like to think that we need to celebrate Thanksgiving. We got our Christmas tree up and everything, but, but, um, <laughs> Oh, you're so one of those. <laughs> is, yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. We're one of those. But, um, we you know my thing is is this year's almost up and and i would just ask people all the time especially if someone comes in they tell me hey i'm struggling with my salvation or however i always ask them well what what more do you know about the bible now than you did the day you were saved and and if they're like well i, I don't i don't know very much more well there's a there's there's your major prop. you know just just read your bibles read read good books
1: Brother, pastor, thank you. I appreciate your faithfulness and I appreciate your friendship and even the little snarky coveting pictures of books that you send me from time to look what I got, look what I got. (laughs) And that concludes this episode of The Bud Zone. The Bud Zone podcast is a member of the Christian podcast community where you can find scores of biblically sound podcasts for your edification and encouragement. Go to christianpodcastcommunity.org to discover more. You are now leaving the bud zone. Thank you for listening. God bless you. And just a reminder, no doctrines
0: have been harmed during the recording of this show.